0: welcome into another edition of the hops and spirits podcast and we're closing out march with another flight night and it's going to be a fun one but before we get to that don't forget to check out some of our past episodes we just finished up uh spring beers and spring cocktails with Kevin Patterson of Beer Trap in Lexington and cocktails with the guys from West Main Crafting Co. Uh, Jake Solick, uh from there. And don't, we've had so many other wonderful episodes. You gotta check them out. You also gotta follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Hop Spirits, all one word. Uh, you'll find a lot of great things that we do, including our Drinking Buddies Club monthly giveaway, which you just need to click on the link, sign up, and you're entered to win some amazing prizes, including some fun things from the beer fridge and the bourbon bar and also check out our 60-second highlights every Sunday night. That's at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But we're here to talk beer and have a fun flight night. And who do we have with us? Well, depending on how it looks on the screen, I never really know. I want to say it's going to look exactly how it looks right now, but I never know. Uh, so depending on where you guys are at is how I'll introduce you. I always like to go ladies first. Welcome back, Kenzie Bernhardt, uh, host of Boys Are From and Park. Podcast, porchdrinking.com writer and bartender at Gallant Fox Kenzie glad to have you back
1: thanks for having me Glad to be here
0: and filling in for Derek on our flight night crew is a friend of one sip beer review Seth Hendricks Seth welcome in thanks for having me Jonathan and the star of the night our big guest is Evan Rouse is that did I say that right uh, he is the co-founder and chief innovation officer for Braxton Brewing in Northern Kentucky, or more precisely, Covington, Kentucky. Evan, welcome
2: in. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, we've got a, a, a cool flight tonight, just three beers, but they are, to me, kind of a little bit of the spectrum. Uh, the very first one that we're going to crack open is the Garage Beer. It uh, Just a nice, simple can, premium lager. Uh, so, Evan, before we get into, you know, all the other history and even my icebreaker, because I went out of order, uh, can you talk a little bit about the Garage Beer?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, the Garage Beer, um, 4% premium lager. Uh, mine is green uh, currently for St. Paddy's Day. Uh, I'm sitting in our Barrel House taproom because we're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. So, uh, I'm just having the draft version. Now, 4% premium lager, um, really designed to just be an easy sipper. Uh, Perfect for hot day in the pool after mowing the grass. Um, Light crisp, a little bit of a noble hop character. Um, Just a nice all around easy drinking beer.
0: No, I I definitely get that on the the initial one, because surprisingly, I've had a lot of your beers. I have not had any of the three that we are trying tonight, which I find rather interesting. so, and I've always wanted to try the garage beer, but I'm always like, it's just a lager. I don't know if I want to pick that up at the store, especially when I, you know, you've had your, um, the Hefenweizen, the Dortmenders, uh, you name it out there that I always enjoy. But I, I like this one. It's just, it is, it's an easy going, going beer that, that I could pick up any time of the
2: year. Yeah, absolutely. It's our, currently a jump to our number one seller, uh, that was previously held by Storm. Okay. Uh, now available in six packs of six ounce, six, 12 ounce cans, 15 packs of 12 ounce cans. We've got 16 ounce cans and 19.2 ounce cans. Uh, <laughs> I believe we actually have it in cases as well.
0: <laughs> so Great. just a little bit of everything then. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Z, I, Seth?
1: I was gonna say, I have, a, I have a very funny story when it comes to garage beer. I think you guys have just released it in uh, the cases, the 15 cases. And I was buying it and, uh, I just happened to mention to the, 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 the gentleman who was reading out, and I was like, oh yeah, I really like this beer. It's really crushable. And the guy looks at me, he's like, I love that you called this beer crushable. he had like never heard that word before. He's like crushable. I was like, yeah, it's, you, you can drink a bunch of them and it, you know, it's crushable. And he was like super, you know, he just loved that word crushable when describing a beer.
2: That is a great way to describe this
3: one. <laughs> <laughs> and Seth, what do you think there? No, it's, uh, it's very good. I'd kind of describe it as the, you know, the beer beer, you know, just just something you can drink whenever. Uh, but it is it is very good.
0: Now, now I have a question because I wasn't sure how this was going to go. Um, I'm guessing the name comes from just your affinity for kind of that garage atmosphere where you
2: started brewing. Is that kind of how the name came for garage yep. beer? Yep.
0: Is it that simple?
2: We had the name picked out before we had the beer finished. Uh, We had always just kind of talked about how we wanted to name a beer garage beer. Um, It's kind of that, you know, pay homage to the garage where we got started, Um, all the different companies that started out of a garage. uh, And what a perfect beer uh, to to have named after the garage. You can sit in your garage and wrench on cars or woodworking or whatever it might be and have a garage beer.
0: Uh, I, I love that. Um, now because i like i said i did things out of order because it's monday and time changing and all that when we recorded this the one tough question that i normally start off with that i teased you all beforehand so it's a nice little icebreaker you know we're a a full year into this lovely thing that i'm just not going to name anymore what's one thing that you really have missed being able to do that you never thought you might have missed it's a good question yeah see i'll go first just break the ice for me it's art festivals never thought i'd miss those because i don't really like have a ton of art in the house or anything i just always enjoyed going seeing what they did and you know because of where we live i also enjoy having a beverage at those because we we have fun at our you know woodland and things like that where all the breweries are out there too uh, but that is one thing I have randomly missed, and, and I'm hopeful for this summer that we might be able to have again.
2: I'd probably say one thing that I miss that I never thought I'd miss is, it's going to be a little funny, but bellying up to my own bar, because if you would have told me at any point in time that, that I wouldn't be able to do it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's really weird to have tap rooms where you're not allowed to sit at the bar like you said, it's been going on for a year. Uh, and that was kind of the, the employee tradition, especially on Fridays, was get done working, go sit at the bar, have a shift pint, hang out, and really, really build relationships with, with your fellow coworkers. And it just hasn't been able to happen.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say sitting at a bar. Um, that's kind of one of my favorite things just to do, you know, if you're just wanting to be right, usually just go to a bar by myself. If I know the bartender, um, sit there and chat with them. Now I feel like if I want to talk to the bartender, I have to quickly squeeze in a conversation while I'm ordering or sit close enough, but at a table and kind of have a conversation from like five feet away, which just is not as fun. And as a bartender, I miss having people sit at the bar. Um, it's not the same when your patrons are also in chairs further away from you and, you know, they order their beer and then they go sit down and it's just weird. It's a weird dynamic.
3: Yeah, um, that is that is kind of crazy not being able to go up to a bar. I think the one thing that I missed that didn't really think I would, I didn't realize how much I communicate uh, with people out in public, like just even at the grocery store, uh, just with facial expressions, you know. And now you're really not seeing any of that. I don't know if you know if I make a joke, I don't really know if that guy's smiling at me or not. So uh, it's kind of <laughs> odd with that. But
0: uh, depending on your joke, it's hard to say, Seth. Depending on your yes. joke.
3: Some of them are pretty bad. <laughs>
0: now, now back into the actual questions that, that, that have to do with Braxton, uh, Evan, how did you guys get started? I mean, I know you were working at a brew pub type place beforehand, but how did you guys get started and, and
2: how did that go for y'all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of, a inter- interesting story. We, uh, we were dropping my brother off to college, Jake, who's our CEO now. Um, Driving them off to college at Indiana University, and uh, went to a little place called Upland Brewing Company uh, for lunch, just their little tap room there, in their pub. And at the time, I was a, so I would have been a, s- a sophomore or a junior in high school, somewhere around the age of 16 or 17. And uh, we we sat down. the The waitress came over and kind of walked us through the fact that every beer they served was made in house. Uh, gave us a tour of the facility. Uh, Really kind of piqued my interest because I was always interested in science and math, and the home brewing really kind of meshed directly into those two those two fields. Um, so after that, on the way home uh, from IU, I told my dad that we were going to start home brewing, and I ordered a home brewing kit off my phone. Um, so we're on the way home, three hour drive. He's like, "Okay, yeah, whatever. We're going to start brewing." Sure. Uh, a couple weeks later, all the stuff shows up, and we start brewing. Uh, that first batch was awful. I mean, it was really bad, uh, but we kept with it. And it, it kind of became just a really went from a passion to an obsession um, from, you know, the extract homebrewing kits all the way to all grain to converting my parents two car garage into a full function functioning brewery, uh, 11 taps. Um, we hadn't parked cars in there in years. Um, we'd brew almost every week. I got hooked up with a local homebrewing club called the Northern Kentucky Homebrewers, who were telling me that I should be entering homebrew competitions. At the time, I didn't even know there were a thing um, that you could do. Uh, And
0: how old were you at this point? uh,
2: By the time I started entering competitions, I was probably 18. Um, 18, yeah. All doing it all with my dad, you know, Uh, still fun. And uh, so I entered competitions, uh, started winning competitions. First competition off the bat, took a gold and best of show. Uh, so best beer in the entire competition, uh, blown away. Uh, so that really, really kind of moved the obsession and passion into like hyper drive. Uh, I got a part-time job at a local home brewing shop uh, in Florence, Kentucky, uh, where I met more brewers and learned a ton. Uh, ended up getting a job at Hopper House in Newport cleaning draft lines uh, every other week. Um, I was there for six, eight months. When their assistant brewer left, he took a job at uh, West Sixth in Lexington. And uh, my boss offered me the job. So transitioned to night classes at NKU um, and started being the assistant brewmaster there. I was there for about three years uh, before I left to focus full-time on opening Braxton. Um, Braxton got started about probably within the last six, eight months of being at Hofbrau. um, Jake had graduated the Kelly School of Business at IU, was coming into town a lot, he was traveling a lot, and uh, came into town, was trying the beers, was seeing us win all these medals, and had always wanted to start his own business. So he had the business brains, and he thought that with his network of people that we could get uh, the private equity to to fund Braxton. Um, And so by well, it, was, it was early to mid two thousand fourteen. I left Hopper House, uh, started focusing on Braxton. Uh, construction started in October of fourteen, and we opened in March of fifteen. So you were what twenty two, three at that point?
0: Uh, yeah, it was like right at twenty two. Yeah, I did. I was not thinking that at twenty two or twenty three. I was just hoping to make it paycheck to paycheck, <laughs> <laughs> like. like like, i mean do you ever just go like how, how did all this happen at that age because i mean one i mean you started when you were 16 you know Now i've talked to others you know the over uh in uh, the starlight distillery huber winery in southern indiana across from louisville they've made brandy and bourbon since they were about that age too so it's not like it's completely weird but to some people that is completely weird
2: yeah no it's crazy i i'll be honest i'm really bad at taking time to look back and focus, like, look where we've come. Um, We get the opportunity to do it from time to time, but usually we're so heads down focused on what's next. Where do we go? How do we grow? Um, But this year with with kind of it being a little bit slower with everything going on, it really gave me a lot of time to kind of step back and and really appreciate uh, kind of what Braxton is today, how it's grown. A lot of it organically as well. Um, and it's just something really, really cool. I was going through some old pictures uh, last night, actually, uh, back when I was brewing in the garage. And it's just a ton of great memories to think about brewing beer 10 gallons at a time to brewing beer thousands of gallons at a time. Um, it, it really is awesome.
0: No, I, I love that. And uh, I've always wondered, how, what, what is Bra- how, how did you come up with the name?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Braxton Brewing Company is named after the street that I grew up on. Uh, the garage on Braxton Drive is where the company was started from home brewing every recipe to actually writing the business plan. Uh, most of all of that took place in that, in that garage. Um, and so it, it really kind of full circle from garage beer to Braxton Brewing Company kind of comes full circle there.
0: That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. I, I kept wondering, I'm like, I know there's gotta be a point to Braxton cause it's just a unique name that I've never, you know, it's not like that's an everyday uh, name that I've ever heard.
2: Yeah.
0: I I, I love that. And uh, one, one thing that I, I wanted to ask you is did you really tell your dad at 16 that you guys were going to open a brewery and brew together one day? Cause you kind of touched on the car ride. I've, I've read a few places where, you know, you said this almost like, you know, just, like it just came to fruition
2: yeah no so it, the conversation didn't really go like that uh ah. i did tell him that we are going to start homebrewing which he was kidding he was pretty excited about he thought i was kidding uh until the equipment showed up in the mail uh, <laughs> and, and then he got really excited about it um and then from there once it really once it really started it was really just every homebrewer's dream is to open a brewery um, so it was always kind of like, ah, oh, it'd be so cool. So we, you know, vacations were usually planned around what breweries we could hit or where we would go based on what breweries we wanted to hit. Um, and it really just always like, well, if we opened a brewery, we would do this or we'd focus on that. Um, and it was, it was really cool. You learn a lot of stuff uh, looking back. Like when we opened our doors in 15, uh, we launched our goal. <laughs> we were gonna originally launch without an IPA. <laughs> This. we're we're lucky we didn't. That being said, though, we've changed our core IPA three times. Um, and so now we've got a winner with Tropic Flare. but yeah, it's uh, you learn a lot.
1: If you hey, ever man. want to bring bring back revamp, I would be very happy.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I enjoyed revamp. Um, early on, it was really hard for a brewery of our size to get consistent hop contracts. And so you'd have really, really good batches of revamp and you'd have really bad batches of revamp with the only varying factor being where the hops came from. Um, And so now we're fortunate enough that we have hop contracts and all the core hops for all of our products so we can maintain a consistent product. Um, With the exception of this past year, we fly out to Yakima, Washington. Every year for the annual hop harvest, you basically select uh, the acreages that your hops are going to come from. And that's probably one of my favorite industry trips each year. Um, it's always really, really cool.
0: Well, that, that, that would sound like a lot of fun. And it's a perfect segue into our second beer, Hop- which up. is the, the Hot Fit, the Low Cow IPA. Um, sorry, Kenzie, this isn't the revamp, but it's the Low Cow IPA <laughs> Hot Fit. Um, you guys were, to me, I think one of the first ones that I really remember kind of doing a branding or launching a Low Cow IPA in the
2: area. Yeah, um, we, we always pay attention and watch a lot of the, I'm going to walk around here and grab, grab one myself, but we always pay attention to trends and what's going on in the market. And, um, you know, Cincinnati, at least when we first opened, uh, was five to 10 years behind everywhere on the West coast. Um, It's not that bad anymore now, Um, but on the West coast, low-cal IPAs, and basically, healthier for you drinking options were booming, um, and we really wanted to we really wanted to play on that. Uh, so the idea of it being in a slim can, a really beautiful brand. Um, we don't advertise it, but it is gluten removed, um, so that's an added benefit as well. 100 calories, um, and I I think it's just got a ton of flavor for for an IPA.
0: No, I'm not a big IPA fan, and I, I that's that's or I'm becoming one. I'm not sure which what's happening here. It could be I'm becoming one, but I, I, I like that one. It's not to me like crazy hoppy over, over the top. It's a nice, just it's a nice mix.
1: So in, in January for uh porch drinking, we did a low cal low cal, uh beer series. And I uh, wrote about Hopfit, and I talked to Evan about it. And um, I had, when we did the interview, I had it, hadn't drank it, tried it yet. And I think I poured one that night. And I remember sending him a message that night and was just like blown away by the taste of it because some of these low IPA or low calorie beers you get are just lacking in flavor. And I think this one, you know, you can taste the hops and you can taste the flavor. It's, it's, if you want an IPA and not all the, you know obviously the calories or the added stuff uh, this is probably one of the best ones that I've ever had. Well, thank you.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a big jump and a big difference from Hotfit to uh, our core year-round IPA. HopFit is year-round, but we consider Tropic Flare like our core mm-hmm. IPA. Um, Tropic Flare has something like 270 calories per 12 ounces, whereas Hotfit has 100. Um, it's just a totally, I mean, Hot, Tropic Flare has lactose and right. it's a fuller-bodied beer, uh, whereas this is brewed to be very light, very refreshing, uh, kind of like garage beer, if you will with a lot more flavor
1: yeah once once i tried it and i told some people about it they were very much surprised to how good it is because we've everyone's had different locale ipas um but some of them are just lacking that ipa flavor that you actually want when you get an ipa and i think this is one of the most well done locale ipas um that you get again that
3: that happiness and that bitterness and uh, you know, that citrus and floral stuff you want in a, in a good IPA. Thank you. Yeah. It, yeah um, I definitely, no, hard. go ahead. Uh, I was going to, I was just going to echo that saying that, you know, I drank a few uh, low-cal IPAs other ones uh, playing volleyball for the last few weeks. And I had a friend actually recommend and bring me one on Saturday of the hot fit. And it, I mean, it just has that extra bit of flavor, uh, that some
0: of the other ones don't have. Yeah, And hundred calories, hundred percent beer. I like that little, little tagline on the can. Um, you, you know, when you, well, I guess one question I have is, is there any can size you guys don't have, you know, I mean, like, this is the, I call this the, like the skinny guy or skinny girl, whatever you want to call it. You know, then you got this one and the Rattler is different too. <laughs> so like, like, I'm guessing there was thought though, to the can and everything with this, because um, I'm sure you're going with a certain market in mind of healthy and, and that easy grabbing beer.
2: Absolutely. Um, like I said that we were really watching that healthier for you trend. So like launch of hard seltzers, the, the growth of low cow beers, specifically low cow IPAs, the growth of, uh, of non-alp beers is surprising right now. Um, and there's a whole subcategory of healthier for you options that are known as athletic beers Uh, so they'll be anywhere from two to four percent packed with electrolytes usually some types of fruits um, and they're designed for post-workout drinking uh, to basically rehydrate your body faster than if you were to drink water Um, and so the branding it was one of the earlier projects we did in-house with our uh, in-house design team and it's beautiful Um, and really we thought that You know with seltzer booming uh, and everybody kind of looking for that healthier for you option that skinny can the slim can screams better for you Um, and it really just pays homage to that kind of theme Um, but yeah we do a lot of different can sizes Uh, we've got the the night if you've never seen a 19.2 ounce can it's like the coolest thing i wish i had one here Uh, (laughs) it's an imperial pint um, and so if you look at a twelve ounce can and then a sixteen ounce can. It's like almost twice as tall as a sixteen ounce can. Um, you just got to drink it fast enough before the beer gets warm.
1: So <laughs> you call those like stove pipes? Is that the?
2: I think that's the Foster's can, which is like, okay. or the oil can. Maybe it is called a stove pipe. I don't know. I, I don't.
0: I don't know. But I, I, I'm curious now. Now to see that. Now you kind of mentioned this because you know you guys are Braxton Brewing, but you also have seltzers there and they are you guys to me were one of the first ones that did seltzers i think what back in 18 you launched one yeah. um with the vive uh brand uh well i guess that's just paying attention to wh- the trends that were coming along
2: yeah um that one was a little bit more intricate and, and interesting rather it uh it was a very interesting project for me to work on i've never. At that point, uh, Jake had just come to me and said, hey, these are really taking off. Do you think we can make one? Uh, And I I really kind of answered, I have no idea. I don't know much about how to make one. I don't know much about seltzer at all. So I went out and I tried a couple of the White Claws and the Trulies and whatnot, and they're really good, um, especially on like a 90 degree day in a pool. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I spent about a year uh, developing Vive. Took about eight months to get the recipe down, uh, figure out the equipment we needed to buy to do it. And really the the play was to go after the national brands. Uh, We wanted to have a product that we were proud of and that we were as excited about and we thought could stand up to the White Claws and the Trulies. And at that time, there were a lot of people coming out with hard seltzers, but none of them were really um, clean, uh, would be a, a good word for that. Some of them really had like a yellow color or had an off flavor or just weren't that enjoyable. Whereas if you open a White Claw, it was just this is watermelon, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so it took about eight months to, to develop that. Uh, we found the equipment from a, a supplier out in um, California, um, goes through like 12 different steps of filtration. Uh, we're actually working on getting that process patented uh, as a process patent, just because our methodology of creating it is so different than what most people in the industry do. Um, and so we, we have a product that we think can compare to uh, the national competitors. Um, it was a very timely project, but it, it turned out really well, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like I said, it, it was interesting to see you guys launch that back then, because to me, White Claw and truly and what I was paying attention to hadn't really exploded yet. Because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was paying attention to the trends and things like that. I was just what my friends were drinking. And then all of a sudden, like last year and the year before, that hit. And I'm like, man, they've been doing that for forever. <laughs> for forever. Um, another trend that I, I think you guys were on top of, once again, was the variety, uh, the pack. You know, you had your toolbox or the toolkit um, that you guys, I think, were doing again back in 18. Think, I think this was later on in 18. But, I mean, you know, that's one of the biggest things. Um, Trends. We talked about it on one of our Under the Influence roundtables earlier this month. And that's one of the areas of growth, big growth in the industry. And you
2: guys have been doing it now for two, three years. Yeah, that that 12 variety pack is really, really popular. And what you've seen uh, in the last year with the pandemic is is uh, people buying in volume, Um, you know, early on, especially it was, hey, I have to go to the grocery store. only want to go once. So I'm going to get this 12 pack or this 24 pack. Um, and the addition of variety made it a lot more useful. We try to switch the variety pack up every year, uh, change a beer or two in there and try to really mix it up. I think the variety pack right now is a really good representation of our brand. Um, It's got one gasket, Tropic Flare, Garage Beer and Summer Trip. Uh, Might actually be Scooter now, um, because Scooter came out as one of our seasonals this year. Uh, we had released it previously in smaller batches, but yeah, Vive, Vive and uh, the variety pack, cause even Vive is in a variety pack. That is, that's 95% of the hard seltzer market is 12 pack variety, um, three cans of four flavors. Uh, we just launched a new one, the um, new variety pack, Vive Punch. Um, so right now what's really popular is all the sweeter varieties of hard seltzer. So uh, there's a bunch of tea-based hard seltzers, lemonade-based hard seltzers. uh, And we wanted to take kind of a different approach uh, and find some white space uh, in the category. Um, The branding is beautiful. The liquid's really, really good. Uh, The original punch tastes like high C. If you like fruit punch, I mean, it's dead on Hawaiian punch. Um, And so, I mean, it's a lot of fun to play around with because your possibilities are limitless.
1: Yeah, I tried the uh, original punch flavor of the the um, punch shelter, and it tastes like high seed. Like, there, like it, you know, you don't even taste that it it's alcoholic. It's like, wow, it kind of takes you back to your childhood and drinking Kool Aid in the summer. So, you guys did a really good job with uh, matching the flavor of a a good Kool Aid or a fruit punch, especially with the original flavor. I haven't gotten to the other ones yet.
0: Yeah, no, we'll go to our third and final one. Unless Seth, do you have something to, you want to add there? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I was actually going to ask Evan. Uh, so we've, you know, we've talked about seltzers and loggers and IPAs, and I think the next one's a, a Radler coming up. Um, is there anything that y'all don't make at Braxton?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't do anything spirits based at the moment. Um, so, vodka, bourbon, whatever it might be, uh, we've toyed with the idea. Um, but the tax structure on spirits based drinks, especially pre-packaged, like ready to drink canned cocktails is significantly higher than that of a malt beverage. Uh, it jumps tax jumps to be the number one raw material, if you will, in a spirits based cocktail. Um, and so, I mean, that's, you know, Wide spectrum of beers. Um, We've not ever released a true sour or wild ale, but we have some projects that we're working on. So hopefully we can get into that sector of beer in the near future. Um, Punch, five, beer. I'm a lager man. I like lager, (laughs) a lot of lager, Um, any type of lager. Um, But I've been chasing hops lately too. So gotta have a good balance, I suppose. Not yeah, great. I was going to
0: say, you, you all run the spectrum because, I mean, you, you all make, well, and you can things too that I think others don't ever think about because you had um a Dortmunder there for a while. You got Hefeweizen. And I mean, that, those are canned, but not everyone on your scale does those those types of beers, and I just always am amazed at what might come out <laughs> from, yeah. from you all.
2: Yeah, our original goal when we opened was to to have a very – wide portfolio of beer uh, so that if somebody walked in and didn't necessarily know what they wanted we had such a wide variety of flavor profiles that we could find a beer for them and i still think that stands true Um, it's kind of how we approach different styles and recipes when we're brewing at all of our locations um, and really focusing on whether it's innovation or uh, pastry stouts or mexican lager whatever it might be uh, we really try to focus on the full gamut
0: and then our our third beer and final beer but we're not done just yet with everything is the scooter which i didn't even know you guys had um it's a blood orange radler um this is a one pint can so we've got the nice little tall guy one pint regular can <laughs> so, so you want to talk a little bit about the uh radler once you, you get that poured
2: yeah Scooter is a blood orange rattler, uh, similar to a summer shandy, if you will. Um, So it's a sweeter beer. Um, A shandy or a rattler is usually a beer and juice blended um, to give you basically just a lighter bodied, uh, sweeter version of whatever beer you would add the juice to. A Really classic example of this style is Schoffenhofer, which is a grapefruit shandy or grapefruit rattler. Um, and we really wanted to take that play. We, we had launched two or three of these in the tap room and blood orange was by far the favorite. Uh, we've been making this beer for at least three years, if not four. Um, but usually it's like a one, one tank batch, drop it when it's gone, it's gone. Uh, it was like the number one asked question in the tap room was when scooter going to come back? When is scooter going to come back? Uh,
1: I've probably been one of those people who's asked.
2: (laughs) And we got that question so much and when we did actually drop it it sold out so fast we started canning it um, and the problem with cans originally is because it has juice in it real fruit juice uh, it has sugar uh, so uh, with the addition of five we've added a tunnel pasteurizer which will prevent the beer from fermenting in the can uh, mm. yeast would naturally eat the sugar could potentially cause the can to explode if you will um, so that pasteurizer allows us to put this beer in a can
0: yeah, I, I appreciate that because I don't like to, you know, ever worry about if a can's going to explode on me. Um, that's a big topic that might be on one of our Under the Influence series at some point. But this is—I've never really had a Radler before. Um, it's definitely on the sweeter side because of obviously that juice and beer, beer combo. But um, that's really the blood orange is a really nice combo
2: with the beer. Like that's just a a wonderful uh, mixture there. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. Definitely a summer beer, um, but no, I, I do enjoy it in small doses because it is very sweet.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I've, I've had several Blood Orange beers in the past, but none that's like that much Blood Orange. Uh, it's really good, but I, yeah, like you said, the summer beer, I could see myself drinking a, drinking a couple of these on the boat this summer for sure. Oh,
2: for sure.
1: Where did you guys get the name Scooter from?
2: It's an excellent question. I think... Mm worst part of the beer business you mean beer um it's got to be the worst part uh my guess is it was somebody in our marketing department um when we used to have new beers because we were coming out with new beers all the time we would go the production team would create the beer we'd give you know the stats so abv ibu color um a, a tasting description aroma flavor that kind of stuff We'd give it to the marketing department and they'd go, okay, uh, scooter (laughs) or blown gasket, or what have you. Um, and we've even gotten away from that unless it's released from Braxton, like all of our Braxton labs beers are, uh, like, uh, peach guava hibiscus goes, it just calls out certain things in the beer just to keep it simple. Um, because naming beers is oddly difficult. (laughs)
0: I, I, I like that. I, I can see that. I mean,
2: I, I've heard stories of people just
0: throwing out every name in the book, hoping that one sticks eventually.
2: So. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, uh, I, I, I like that. And you, you mentioned like the the smoothie beers and the Labs beers. Y'all have four locations within what like five miles of each other. Um, now, granted, they're all different. Now, I haven't been over to Cincinnati, so I can't talk about how that one is. But you know, you're, you've got your flagship tap room, your main location there in Covington. You got the labs location, which is kind of what it sounds like. You do, I'm guessing, some more experimental stuff there. Then you have the barrel house, which is where you're at right now. Yeah. So, we want to talk a little bit about how you ended up with four places in a short amount of time, so yeah. close to each other?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we, were, Our operations manager told me, uh, and basically all of our leadership team, that uh, no more tap rooms in the 275 loop. <laughs> 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 like, I'm not going to rule it out, but they are so close to one another. Uh, Barrel House is about three miles from the Covington location, and my house sits smack dab in the middle of those two. I'm a little bit closer to Barrel House, so I can hear it a little bit more frequently. Um, so we launched in Covington, uh, and our goal was to always grow. We wanted to be a regional player. We wanted to be a we wanted Braxton Brewing Company to be a regional name in beer. And we, we never really, at the time, hadn't discussed what that would look like, whether it was multiple tap rooms or a production facility or, or what have you. Um, and we got word that 8-Ball Brewing in the back of Party Source, excuse me, was closing. And we were fortunate enough to work a deal with them to take over the lease and the equipment and move into that space. Um, and the idea being that Covington could focus on our core beers and be really just for production uh, because that facility is scheduled out so far, really turning tanks. Um, we brew Monday through Saturday, three to four batches a day, um, filling tanks that are 120 barrels, or is 25 barrels. Um, and so rough, rough math, that is like 1800 cases of beer per tank, if that makes sense. And so we wanted a place where we could, instead of having to schedule around production to keep up with the innovation side of things, having a facility to itself for innovation. Um, and so that, that made perfect sense that we were able to grow into that facility, expand, focus on innovation. Um, and still to this day, uh, same brewer over there, Zach Benke does a phenomenal job. Uh, runs the facility by himself. He's got a 15 barrel system over there, um, and comes out with a ton of great stuff. We do, then we do three labs releases a week at this point, including our seasonal or not our seasonal our smoothie series, which came out of the labs facility. Um, so he's he's killing it over there, cranking it out. Uh, then a couple years later, um, we have a we have an offsite warehouse um, it's in Ludlow. Uh, that's like the the fifth facility that never gets talked about because it's just the logistics center. It literally just shipping and receiving. So as soon as product is packaged, it's put on one of our box trucks, moved over to the warehouse, sits in a giant cold box until it goes out the door to a distributor. Uh, that warehouse at the time was getting overloaded. Um, so we think about all the beers we release and all the labels we have. Uh, every time you order a printed can, you have to order a full truckload. So it's 25 pallets, it's 205,000 can, 205, cans. Um, and so our warehouse was full of cans. We were running out of space. Uh, we got approached by one of our investors who was involved in the uh, deal here at Barrel House that took over the old grocery store that was here. And they had this loading dock area and a 20,000 square foot basement that they didn't know what to do with. Um, and it made sense. Um, We had a pilot system, our our brewery in Covington was just busting at the seams. So we moved our pilot system to Barrel House. We moved all of our bourbon barrel storage from the warehouse to Barrel House and a bunch of other miscellaneous storage type things. So really Barrel House, while it is, it's one of my favorite tap rooms. Um, I kind of took like a sabbatical and helped build it, uh, like this barrel stave wall behind me. Woodworking is kind of a hobby of mine. Um, So I helped build this and that's partly why it's one of my favorites, uh, plus being so close to my house.
1: Um, i second that i think the barrel space house deal.
2: Um, the barrel getting, house I'm
1: sorry. Oh, i was gonna say i would say i second that. i think the barrel house is my favorite of your i haven't been to the cincinnati location but of your three in northern kentucky you did a fantastic job with the interior or i don't say the interior design the design of it and all the barrels and the touches of the barrels because it is the barrel room And it's funny, I remember when I first walked in, I was like, I thought this is the barrel house where all your barrels at. (laughs) And they're like, oh, they're in the basement. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That
2: was actually one of the concerns because there wasn't, you know, the tap room itself is only like 2000 square feet. So it's really small and you can't really see any of the barrels. Um, And our goal eventually is to do like a a self-guided tour downstairs through the barrels, just haven't got that part set up. So yeah, Barrel House was really just a space play. 20,000 square feet in the basement, uh, cool tap room because Fort Mitchell's a very kind of walkable neighborhood. Lots of, lots of families walking out and about and it's got a big patio. Um, so that's how Barrel House came about. Cincinnati, uh, most recent addition, um, kind of similar to labs, uh, got word that 8Ball was, was closing um, and we were able to kind of swoop in and make, make a similar deal work uh, kind of like labs, excuse me, really carbonated, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so yeah, so that deal kind of worked out. We always, since we opened and after we acquired labs, um, we've always wanted a location in Cincinnati. Uh, we'd, all, we'd been looking for a while. We didn't know what the best move was going to be. Um, and that kind of fell into our laps um, if you've not been there, it's beautiful. Um, the guys at, guys and gals at Three Points did such an incredible job building that space. Um, the technology aspect of what that taproom can do with the music and the lights. There's like mood lighting that's tied to the music. So it, it'll change colors. And I mean, it's, it's crazy. And then the whole place opens up. So there's accordion style windows and garage doors throughout the entire thing. So you can just on a nice day, you can open the entire taproom. Um, and so currently, uh, we have a brewer with a 15 barrel brew house over there. Uh, he really helps, uh, Zach Banky with labs products out, uh, so we can keep that innovation going, um, and, and really release new products. Yeah. I can't,
0: can't wait to, you know, check, check that one out and, and see, see that space. Um, one thing that you've, you've mentioned a lot of is, you know, you're, you've talked about family, your brother's part of the business, your dad's part of the business, What's it like working with family? Because I know my family. I love them.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, there's good days and there's bad days. Most of them are good days. Um, the first several years, it was really hard. Um, we're, you know, at the end of this month, Braxton will be six years old. We've learned to work together and take a step back. Uh, when things tend to get a little uh, frustrating or uh, problems arise. Uh, we've also learned really well how to work together. Uh, but it wasn't always easy. Uh, Jake and I uh, butt heads quite a bit. We're brothers. That's what brothers do. Um, and my dad was kind of always there to be the referee. Um, and so, it, yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world at this point. Um, just because you get to know your family in a whole new way um, that I don't think you would really get to experience if you didn't work together. Um, but that being said, Thanksgiving is a board meeting, uh, <laughs> board meeting too. You never really, like family vacations are still working. Um, but that's it, the nature of the beast.
0: Yeah, no, I, I could see that. I could see that. Now, one, one other thing that, that, uh, recently happened for you, I believe is the, uh, Forbes 30 under 30, uh, you know, for the food and drink. And I think you were one of uh, up 30 uh, and there were, what, 800 nominations or something in that category
2: nationwide. So that had to be a pretty cool honor. Yeah, it was, uh, blew my mind, to be honest with you. Uh, incredibly humbling um, and never thought I'd be in a list quite like that. Um, I, of course, tip my hat off to my team as well. Um, it is... Really, It can be really difficult doing what we do, um, but when you have a team like I have, um, it, it really makes it awesome <laughs> to wake up. I mean, first of being in beer is awesome as it is, but um, the team really makes everything possible. Um, I think it really pays homage to, to that. And like I said, never, never would have thought I would have been in anything like it. Um, I'm pretty sure my Brother nominated me, but it was never confirmed. I just got an email one day, Hey, you were nominated. Fill this out. Um, and then when I got the call that I'd been accepted, it, I mean, it was insane. Um, very good day. Um, and so it's it's neat to it's neat to kind of see hard work pay off, if that makes sense. Uh, to be kind of recognized as a mover and shaker in the food and beverage industry, uh, specifically uh, categories such as Beer or hard seltzer—that is a very competitive industry. Um, you know, when we opened Braxton, there were, I want to say, four, maybe five thousand breweries in the U.S., and now there's over ten thousand, um, most of which are pri- primarily probably making a seltzer as well, uh, because that segment took off like a rocket. So, it just really, really cool.
0: No, and it, and from everything I've had from you all, it's it's well deserved. I mean. Uh, Seth and I and some of our friends went up there and enjoyed the uh, igloo bar uh, you know right around New Year's that was a blast you know your rooftop bar I mean you guys I just feel like you you guys just you're always like one step ahead of everyone um, is how I I would put it and I I like that I appreciate that
2: it's not always easy but it is fun
1: (laughs) I like uh, when I you know I I talked to you about winning the 30 under 30 award. And I think one of the most interesting things about you is you don't have a college degree.
2: They they were not like, they weren't beating around the bush in that Forbes magazine at all on that. I
1: think it said like Northern Kentucky university, like unfinished or something. And I, you know, and you see all these other people, it's like Harvard, Yale, and (laughs) you're the, you're the, the only brewery person or brewery representative and it says college or something. So I think that's a really interesting aspect is you are not, college educated and you still built this successful you know, company and brand and you know, you have four tap rooms now.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is crazy. I will finish college at one point in time. I've got like a semester <laughs> left. I tried going back like three years ago and it was right around the time we had got labs up and running and it just didn't work. Uh, finished that semester and then just stopped again, but I'm close. I will finish at some point. School was never easy for me. Um, I love math and science, but the the thought of all the kind of gen ed courses you have to take to get into your specialty, I, I don't excel when I'm not fully interested in something.
1: Well, thankfully now they offer classes on actually brewing and distilling as well, yeah. so yeah, people are interested in that. They can go straight into it, whereas probably when you were in college it wasn't even an option or something people
2: thought about. I've done some technical training uh, through Siebel, which is a brewing academy as well. Um, but those were those came like year one, year two of RAC, kind of formalized some of my, because most, most of my knowledge in beer is self-taught. Uh, to, so to really get some book smarts and some real science behind it to answer the, like I know how, but why uh, <laughs> really helped.
0: I can see that. I, I I could definitely see that. And I also just love how much you mentioned it. You love math and science, and now look what you know. You turned your math and science into is some some pretty cool products and ones that millions of people get to enjoy. Yeah, appreciate that. So, so um, before we wrap up, um, anyone have any final thoughts or what what was their favorite tonight? Anything like that?
1: I'll start. Um, being from Northern Kentucky, I think you're also I'm in Fort Wright and I think you are as well, Evan, Um, you know, just seeing Braxton open up in Covington and kind of turn that, I mean, they were, they kind of, y'all took a chance opening in that area. It wasn't really an area where a lot of people went and, like, you know, walked around and there weren't many restaurants. And I think once they saw how successful Braxton was in Covington, a lot of other restaurants and businesses followed. And that is such a cool area down there in Covington right now um when you know five years ago it wasn't before you guys opened so it's really cool to see the transition of covington that braxton you know braxton has such a big impact on it um and when you think northern kentucky beer right now where i'm from it's mostly braxton which is really cool and you've inspired i think a lot of other breweries to open in the area and be successful as well just because you know of course it's easy to go across the river into cincinnati but it's also easy to now stay on kentucky side and go to the the many breweries on on side of the river, the better side in my opinion.
3: (laughs) Uh, Yeah Evan, I had had one last question for you Uh, and before I ask it I want to preface it with uh, I'm an engineer so my brain works a little different (laughs) Uh, but for some reason one of the things you said stuck with me was going from brewing uh, you know 10 gallons at a time to hundreds of a gallon at a time now. Um, was there any is there been any beer that you started in uh your garage that you went back to and tried again, try to brew? And was there any like scalability issues or anything like that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um so Storm is actually a homebrew recipe. Uh that was one of the first beers I had won medals with. Uh it was really the it was really the beer from a homebrewing scale that I was using to uh kind of nail the process. So keep the recipe the same and really it was one of the only beers that I brewed at home like 20 or 30 times, just taking detailed notes on, on everything that you would need to be paying attention to, to make sure the beer was consistent. Um, and so that one still, that was the number one selling beer we had for years uh, until we launched Garage Beer. Um, scalability wise, um, one that comes back every now and then is Deadblow. It's a try. Uh, it's a macerated dates, um, the first time we brewed it with macerated dates, um, we threw the dates and the mash mixer transferred over to the tun, which tun has this false bottom. So it's a perforated screen. Well, the macerated dates sunk straight to the bottom. The mash was on top and it basically formed this like half inch thick like gel coating. Uh, and we couldn't, we never got to finish that beer. Um, we had to dump it and, and go back to the drawing board. Um, things that work on a homebrew scale don't necessarily translate perfectly to a professional brewing scale. Uh, our date supplier was actually able, they have a product now that they take those macerated dates, they dehydrate them they turn them into a powder. Uh, so we were able to get the same product, uh, just a different process to date. Um, still the same flavor. That's really cool. Yeah. I
0: I like that. And you just never know what, what you're going to remake or bring back one day. And, I also wanna congratulate you uh, on first kid coming soon. Is that correct?
2: Thank you. She's uh, 20 weeks next week. So we'll go to the ultrasound appointment next week. It's uh, very exciting.
0: So are you one that's gonna find out boy, girl early or no? We're
2: having a little girl.
0: Okay, so you're having a little girl. Well, I, I've got one and, and enjoy and, and just be prepared for sassiness at a young age.
1: <laughs> Have you decided on the name or will that be as hard as naming a beer?
2: Uh, it's not as hard as naming a beer. Uh, my wife and I have it narrowed down to two, um, but we've agreed to wait until after the ultrasound appointment to pick one. Kind <laughs> of split at the moment. I'm leaning one way, she's leaning another, but I think we'll, I think we'll, uh, we'll find a happy middle. There
0: you go. There you go. I, I like that. And, and my final question to you, Evan, is what's next for Braxton?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a great question. Um, you know, we just released five punch. That was the last five or six months of my life. Uh, just heads down, creating those four flavors, um, working on a couple new beer recipes, uh, that we want to get out in cans, um, on a Braxton scale. So a seasonal couple thousand cases here or there, um, always looking to grow and expand. Um, uh, now that we've kind of, Although it wasn't decided at the time that we were really going down the path of having multiple tap rooms. I believe that that's kind of one of our points of focus now uh, because we really think that tap rooms are our biggest marketing asset, uh, really kind of gets you into the brand experience. We can kind of control everything from the ambiance, the lighting, the music, um, and that's really important to us. Uh, So as we look to grow and expand into new markets and new distribution territories, the thought process of having a potential tap room in more satellite locations, to where while Braxton might be a regional beer, you may never have been to one of our tap rooms. So if you were able to drop a tap room in a random city that you're distributing in, you can give people that experience. Um, we don't have anything set in stones yet, but that's kind of how we're thinking about it. Um, but yeah, just keep making really good, good beer and seltzer, and see where it goes. Really excited to get the taprooms back opened up uh, to, to normal, normal levels. Um, but yeah, all in, all in due time. I got my first vaccine two weeks ago. I get my second shot in a couple weeks, really excited to kind of just slowly ease on into, into normalcy again. If we'll see that, I don't know. Yeah,
0: Yeah, no, I, I I totally get that. And I feel like you almost were going to tell us a city that you were thinking of there, but then you you decided against it. So
1: (laughs) I'm going to guess it's going to be outside 275 this time.
0: Yeah, probably.
1: <laughs> so, narrows it down oh, a little bit.
0: Well, Evan, Kinsey, Seth, uh, thank you all for another fun flight night. And uh, Evan, wish you nothing but
2: the, but the best. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Thank you all.
1: Thanks, guys. Have a good night. See you
0: i just love flight nights that was a blast i really appreciate evan uh sharing those those, uh braxton beers with us and kenzie and seth coming on uh to share in those as well in chat uh about braxton and all the cool things that they've got going on up there we've got a few more flight nights already on the books Uh, But our goal is one a month uh, for the rest of the year. So we'll see how that goes. You'll just have to stay tuned. And if you're looking for some cool things, check out our social media pages at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And on our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube pages, you can find our Give It a Try 60-Second Highlights, where we just did Still Austin the Musician this past weekend. we got a cool one for you this weekend. We drop those every Sunday night. And who do we have uh, on next week's episode? Well, it's no uh, joke even though it is april fool's day we have still austin their ceo chris seals and their head distiller john Schrapel. it's a very fun episode and i can't wait to share that one with you remember check out our partners in crime one sip beer review at one sip beer review on instagram And and until next time cheers everyone